This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. L. Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Philip Gilfus, sitting in the center chair this week. I'm joined by my co-host, Security Chief Darren Moser. Uh, Darren, uh, don't don't you have a daughter? I mean, we haven't heard about her since season one. I mean, she's been with those grandparents an awfully long time. Well, yeah, and I mean, we had my wife on, like, what was that, like, 50 episodes ago? But, I'm, I mean, she's still around, I promise. I mean, even, just because she hasn't sure? been on the show in a while doesn't mean she's, like, gone. Okay, well, we'll, we'll take your word for it. Um, well, I'm also joined by our Chief of Sciences Division, Lieutenant Daniel Pru. Uh, Daniel, I have to say, when was the last time you visited Commander Flipper? I mean, is he still on board, or has he been promoted and gotten his own ship? I mean, what's going on? Well, he's been spending an awful lot of time in Cetacean Holodeck. Uh, so, you know, he, he might he might be addicted. I, I don't know. We're going to have to... We might have to have an intervention with... Uh, with our cetacean counselor and see if we can get him out of there once in a while. I have to say the cetacean counselor doesn't hold water compared to the regular council. <laughs> if, see what I did there? Yeah. Anyway, well, as folks may or may not know from that intro, we're going to actually do a kind of a very different discussion this week, and we're going to talk about the lost plot lines of The Next Generation. You know, sometimes uh, TNG kind of gets a little criticism because, you know, we're so, we're so episodic and we don't do continuity, quote unquote. Um, but there's there's been a lot of storylines in TNG, whether it's people or guest stars or character points that were like really awesome, but that were like never followed up on. And so that's we're going to try to address some of those and and speculate on what we would have wanted to see or wh- why it wasn't followed up on or any of those things. So we have a bunch of categories, but the first thing I want to focus on is, is our is our actual characters and and plot lines that happen with our with our main crew. And I'm I'm going to start off with one and and see what people think. In the second season, in an episode called "Loud as a Whisper," and I've talked about this before, there is a scene in sickbay where Doctor Pulaski says, "Oh, by the way, Lieutenant LaForge, I can give you ocular Im- uh, implants." Make you lose the visor, see perfectly normal. How about that? And Jordy goes, "Wow, that sounds interesting." Walks away, and we never hear anything in the next eight years. Well, okay, mate. How do we not know that when Doctor Pulaski goes back to be the head of Starfleet Medical, that she is not the one who develops the blue inside your eye socket, you know, upgrade that Jordy gets a few years later? Yeah, but it was because I, I was looking up on Memory Alpha because, of course, I'm too lazy to actually watch the episode. Um, and it and it had said that that she had successfully done this like twice before, or or so, something about ocular implants. And 
I don't know. So the, here's one thing we've talked about. Oh, this is my thesis. I know I've talked about wish fulfillment that like, well, you know, we can't fulfill any wishes during the series. You know, Data getting emotions, Jordy getting eyes. We have to wait till the movie. So obviously we didn't see this until first contact. But like, how would you guys have thought if Jordy got eyes in, you know, season five or something? It would be fine with me. Um, Jordy without a visor, you know. I don't know. It's not a define. I mean, I guess it is to a lot of people, maybe that his visor is a defining characteristic of the of of his character. But to me, it's not. Like once we transition to contact Jordy, well, first contact Jordy, I guess. Um, I mean, he is one contact, and then he's got the second contact. That's the right eye. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it doesn't bother me, and I, I don't know. Like they play with the oh, I have a visor. Oh, I'm blind. Like occasionally, but most of the time they leave it alone, anyways. So it's not like a huge issue that they couldn't have just like you know what I mean they didn't lose any if they, if they if they gave him eyes in the 5th season like you're suggesting I don't think we would have lost any important storylines or except the generation storyline where once again Jordy gets his his visor taken over and the enterprise gets destroyed because of it like I don't know I I would have been totally fine that would have been actually would have been maybe an interesting kind of dynamic to see him not struggle, but adapt. He has to adapt to his new lifestyle. So I would have been, I would have been totally okay. Jordy's adapted. He's adapted. <laughs> Keep firing. Yeah, no, I, I agree with uh, with Daniel. I mean, for one, if they had, you know, let's say not gone with contacts and gone with LeVar Burton's actual eyes, which he's got amazing brown eyes. Like, you know, I, I we're so used to seeing him with the visor on that anytime we see him without it, like in a behind-the-scenes picture or, like, between takes, you're like, oh, my gosh, like – or you know, hide and Q. Yeah, or yeah, or hide and Q. You know, he's got you know, he's got great eyes. They've you know been hiding, you know, behind that visor. But yeah, that would have been interesting to see, you know, okay, he's now he can see, but again, it's almost like it's a, I mean, it'd be such a new experience for him because I mean, we've mentioned or he mentions a couple times like, "Oh, this is what data looks like to me." Like he glows, you know, he's all shiny or something like that. But, you know, I mean, he would literally be walking around to like a plant and this is what a plant looks like. This is what a star looks like. This is what, I mean, it would be a whole new world to him just seeing things differently the way we see them. Well, the thing is he saw some, someone that was so, it was more beautiful than he could have possibly imagined. I don't remember who it was though. She wasn't very memorable. I don't. I can't put my. Finger it was on it, Mrs. Sunset in uh, in Insurrection, <laughs> not the way you've seen them. <laughs> Smile turn. But like it, to me, like even going away from the speculative uh, future of what it could be, like why'd they even throw that scene in there? Like, like it w- maybe it would have been a good episode or, or even a scene, you know, cause it's early days um, where maybe he struggles. Like, I don't know, you know, this is what I've always known and would taking that risk or would there be a risk? And, you know, even though I do want, well, even though, I don't know, they kind of went away from how much Jordy wanted to see cause they touched on it in the naked, whatever. Um, but um, I could remember which one's tuned here to us now. Anyway, um, but then, like, they never really touched on it for, for, like, I mean, maybe three episodes in all seven years of Jordy, like, oh, I really want to see. But, uh, you know, why'd they have that scene with Dr. Pulaski? Just, like, just when I saw that during my rewatch, it just stuck in my crawl. Like, why'd you, what the, what the, what the, what the? Yeah, it's like this giant, 
completely character changing line that they just kind of like two seconds later throw away and never mention ever again. And even when they do, if, when, even when he does get his visor removed and replaced, they don't even say a word about it. It's just like, oh, this is just Jordy now. It's just how he is. <laughs> it, it's part yeah, of the Enterprise That's exactly – I think you're right, Philip. I think like, you know, like, you know, like sometimes to incentivize people to buy a car, maybe they'll give you a toaster or something. It was like, oh, you're going to buy it. You're going to get a new Starship. You, you can have – Are you saying you this, those ocular implants are rust-proofing? Is that what he did? He bought that? <laughs> well, no. It's, it's like when you upgrade, you know, your OS to the latest model, you get these cool new add-ons that, yeah. uh, you know, for your crew member. Data gets a motion. Uh, Jordy gets a, gets a better oh, eyes. No, no. So now you're saying his ocular implant is a U2 album? No, no. <laughs> there's, there's no Riker gets Riker gets a wife. Uh, <laughs> Picard gets the mambo. No, I see. That's uh, the thing. Beverly's hair changes color. Oh, that's, that's what true. goes on. Yeah, I would I would put it more analogous to uh, Jordy gets mud flaps. Essentially, right? That's that's kind of what they are. So, oh, they're called ram scoops. I mean, do you even know anything about nacelles, Daniel? <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I think we should call Drew. He might know what's going on. Um, well, no. Did you, I mean, I have a list here, but did you guys have any character plot lines um, that you you wish we could have seen more of, or that they just threw in there and never talked about again? Well, one that uh, someone mentioned to me, you know, when I brought up uh, that we were going to be talking about that about this uh, this topic this week, they said, "What happened?" And I, I knew, I knew what what uh, you know what door I'd be opening because uh, of Daniel. But uh, they they wanted to know, you know, what about you know like Sela, uh, you know, the our favorite Romulan uh, human human. I don't remember what percentage of what she is at this point, but. Um, but you know she she's kind of like you know this bad villain in a couple of moments and they they build up you know her in the shadows and then all of a sudden we literally never see her again well you know i mean daniel's perfectly happy with that but uh no it, but, no i'm i'm not per- well, i am not perfectly happy with that i would have been perfectly happy if she never existed that would have made me perfectly happy <laughs> this is ridiculous there, would- there was a reality in parallels where there was no sela why would we want to see Sayla? Wow. Why would we want to see more of Sayla? Who cares? I, I, look, nope, nope, nope. It, 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 this is Star Trek. Infinite diversity and infinite combinations. You, your val- your opinion is just as valid as mine. But if you like Sayla, you're wrong. It's just how it is. I just don't know how <laughs> now, before any uh, of uh, some of our listeners I, I, are going to say, I'm sure, I'm aware in Star Trek Online, you know, she does have a storyline there in the you know, hand quote. Oh yeah, I'm but sure anyway. in the books and in other places they've they've expanded yeah. on the character. But you know, and it was you know later on in the seasons as far as the run of the show that she showed up. So there wasn't as much time. Not like our season two Pulaski incident. You know, this was <laughs> much later, and there was less time to to bring that back. And yeah, I'm not saying I, I wish she had been brought back. I'm just curious, like what what happened, and and you know we we put more time into like ambassadors like, you know, Tomalak and a lot of other really cool Romulans that I would have, you know, been interesting to see, use her as a lens more into the political, uh, you know, background of the Romulan empire. 
And, and to be sure, when, when I say lost plot lines, I mean, obviously, Earl Grey, we're talking about TNG, but we, I give allowance if, you know, one of the series had picked it up, like, um, you know, Alexander or something like that. Again, another great Daniel topic. But, like, I mean, what, what, because, I mean, she was sort of wrapped into the Klingon Civil War. You know, she, That's she's true. Trying to promote that was when she, in the, in she the failed side, from the power. family and all that. Yeah. But, like, so wouldn't it have made sense for her, like, a, if she showed up in Deep Space Nine during the whole Klingon to-do or, or mention? So she would be was... the one who goes, it's a fake, and dies in the shuttle accident. <laughs> and, then <laughs> run, and then Daniel's super happy because uh, she's gone forever. I can oh. just see her now. It's a fake! <laughs> would, would I, I don't know. Let's let's think about this. In this hypothetical situation, would the amazing "it's a fake" meme have happened? Because I feel like this—that's a product of the performance of that line, right? Because it's so dramatic and it's so over the top, but it's so good. And it's just like—I don't know if I can see her sitting at the conference table with people like photoshopping a rake in her hand it's a rake it's a rake <laughs> it's, it's a snake <laughs> it's a bag like a dr seuss book out of this <laughs> well although but think about this though okay if she's in the pale moonlight but you know i mean picard obviously knows who she is and i'm sure there's you know a a, a you know there's a dossier somewhere on her but what if it had been presented that we know who she is but the crew on on Deep Space Nine aren't as sure. So we're all going, don't trust this person. Oh, my goodness. This is the last person you want to be talking with. And so we're worried about what's her agenda here because we know she's all about agendas. And then the, she does. Except there's, the, except there's someone who went to uh, the Academy with Yar, and they're like, she looks really familiar. No, no. There's, there's, there's exactly there's a, like. <laughs> there's a much larger problem. There is someone on the station at that time who would be like, didn't I take over <laughs> your job like a long time ago? Like, <laughs> That's true. That's true. With Worf on board, it would be a little trickier to uh, to have her slip by, and let, let alone Miles O'Brien. I mean, he exactly. was on the Enterprise. Exactly. So. No, the, no, it would be the episode where Worf was on the Enterprise for no apparent reason, and then there, you know, that's when she could come. <laughs> Worf, what are you doing here? And then, meanwhile, on Deep Space Nine, <laughs> now is the time. And Chief O'Brien's like, she she looks really familiar. I don't know. So okay, so I was only in, in the transporter room the whole time. So I didn't see anything. So instead, you know, uh, Cisco's going. You know, man, we brought back this character. I can live with it. I will live with it. <laughs> I'm going to live with it. Well, you know what? Sis, to be fair. Cisco's actions will would have been much more justified if that was Sela instead. Is all I'm going to say. So, <laughs> yeah, no. Now, I do have to say, when I was kind of skimming through my Star Trek: Next Generation Companion by Larry Nemchik, available on Amazon, um, that I, really, I mean, again, I know we're defenders and apologists of the show, but a lot of us like, hey, I wish they followed up on. Oh wait, they did follow up on that. And, oh, they did follow up on that. So it's like a lot of this stuff is actually hard to find. Um, you know what I wish so, they like, had done, throw- Philip. I wish they had brought like a Klingon on to do like the same exchange program <laughs> that like Riker did, you know, because that's totally something that I would have loved to see. Oh, you yeah, know, that's I, right. It did. And I totally forgot about that when we last talked about this. Yeah, I, I actually do have something that I was reminded of when you were talking about Sela, and it's a it's a um, it's a 
Romulan character, and I kind of wish we had some sort of closure for Tomalok because mm. he just he just kind of peters out. But I feel like like they unintentionally or intentionally they kind of built him up earlier on to be this kind of rival character to Picard, and they, he deals with him a lot. I don't know. I felt like it was just kind of like, oh, uh, Tomalok's not around anymore. Well, he gets he gets the finale, you know. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. to be fair, to be fair, the actor did die. So. I was going to say, was this around the time that that he unfortunately passed away? Yeah. So I guess maybe that's you know that's a you know we're unfortunate. But, but I mean, you know, a lot of times we talk about or we you know forlorn about the fact that there wasn't a lot of TNG DS9 crossover, but there actually was because that one Cardassian Gull, blanking on his name, Gull, um, Ducat. No, 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 no. Um, Madrek? No, not Madrek. Um, anyway, but there was one Gull who was on both shows because he was in Journey's End. Oh, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Evek? Gullivek? Oh, oh Evek, yeah. Gullivek, yeah. yeah. Gullivek is the character. Yeah, well, I mean, he besides the fact that two shows. the actor who played Gull Dukat obviously was on, you know, the first one, the first times we see them in, uh, uh, in TNG. I mean, it's the Tom Paris effect, but, you know. <laughs> you mean, Same I, character. The Nick Larcano effect. Yeah, yeah the Nick to the journey, calls it the Tom Paris effect. <laughs> I, I actually have one more, if I may, one more uh, character that I, I wish we we did technically get a resolution, and then we got an after resolution. But I I think everybody is unsatisfied with the resolution, so we could have gotten more. Um, I really wish we had a, a good uh, conclusion or continuation of the Wesley storyline. Um, mm. I, that's a real big frustration for me, like watching, uh, like you just mentioned, uh, you know, uh, watching Journey's End, right? That's the name of the episode? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. um, a huge frustration for me because I actually, you know, like, unlike a lot of people, or some people at least, I I tolerate Wesley when he's annoying, but I like him overall as a character. And I I want to see him do cool things and interesting things, and they set him up as that kind of a character. And then it was just like, well, now he's just... Now he's just a light beam out there doing light things with his light friend. Light beam. Boop, boop, boop. The precious <laughs> little light, light beam. Wesley, light, Wesley. Turn off the lights. Okay. okay. Um, but like, is it, I mean, like, but that, I feel like that's sort, sort, sort of a, a trope now because it's basically what they did with Cass. Like, oh, we'll get rid of her. Oh, let's bring her back and she'll be a ball of light. I mean, like, can we do that in so many times? So you're saying you would have preferred when Wesley left, he pushed the Enterprise 10,000 light years towards the Delta Quadrant? <laughs> and we would have escaped in the next episode. Oh, never mind. Sorry. Wesley is the anti-Cast? <laughs> yeah. Is that what's going on? Oh, uh, uh, well. Well, we, we've kind of bled into it, but, um, you know, lost guest star plotline. So we've kind of talked about this a little bit. But, like, I mean, a lot of these, again, we know TNG's episodic, but, like, Jeremy Astor, the bonding. He and Worf bonded over and never again. Like, why wasn't he invited to the wedding? I don't know. So many, so many questions. Well, and how old would he have been by then? Because it's been a good amount of years since that episode. He would have probably been at least a well, teenager. Well, well if, he grows, if he grows up at the, at the rate that Alexander does, he was probably 58. <laughs> I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say that. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, in on one hand, I'm like, okay, like I agree. That is an interesting point that we should have kind of explored. On the other hand, um, you know, maybe wait, wait, children. Maybe wait till he's a little bit older. Yeah, you know. But if they did, if they brought him back in a Deep Space Nine episode or or a late late TNG episode, 
Or even just in mention. Even just like Worf being like, well, I like Jeremy Astor more than I like Alexander. Like, you know, <laughs> I could get behind that. You, you, you sound yeah, a lot I mean, like Daniel obviously... when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously, you know, they had to just make decisions on what plots they wanted to continue. And I mean, that's the thing. Again, looking at the show in hindsight, it's so easy to see like, oh, yeah, obviously they're going to have a bunch. They're going to have the character Alexander back and like bring him out. Yet they could have done the exact same thing with Jeremy Astor technically and just given that actor like a, a longer run. But it just didn't. The, the Instead, po- we did Sub Rosa. Uh, <laughs> the candle. <laughs> well, now one th- one thing. Well, actually, I have a bunch on my list, but so. But but feel free to to talk over me and say one instead. Um, but one was. And this isn't even like a plot. Just like we never saw Binars again. Yeah, it's like a season. Season one, right? Yeah, I one, mean, when you put that, yeah. I was like, you're right. I mean, it was such a cool, unique little, you know, species. I mean, even the times when, uh, you know, they would have been perfect to show up in one of those episodes where, like, there's a couple of different species, like, or even, like, Allegiance, you know, when they're trying to break out of the cell. Like, what if there had been a pair of binars there? You know, just in in instead of, like, let's throw in a new forehead of the week. Let's instead like recall some of these great, uh, you know, great characters. I mean, although maybe Picard wouldn't trust them, uh, because they did steal his ship. Uh, so, you know, (laughs) actually, you know, just thinking about this, um, what a great concept for, I mean, come on, we've done, what does it mean to be human on lots of Star Trek shows? What like what interesting plot lines could you give a, a pair of binars a, a slot on the crew on the next show, and there's all sorts of things you can do to play with there. Like what is, what happens when they're separated? What if one dies? What 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 does it mean to be? I don't know. That would just be. Anyways, that's you weird. were the zero one to my one zero. <laughs> <laughs> one 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 one. I could I could see the season eight. You know like caption plot line you know a pair of not binars come on board the enterprise wesley is extremely jealous as they solve all the <laughs> enterprise's problems before he can he unleashes a new strain of nanites to kill the partner it could it could be fun that's all i'm saying uh but i do also be remiss if we didn't mention i do believe the binars are mentioned at least one more time in deep space nine if i'm not yeah don't they mention that the planet was fought was taken over by the dominion they were like when they were listing planets i don't remember if that's what it was or what but i'm pretty sure they were mentioned at least once once one other time hmm well now one of the things that you guys listed was scotty and his shuttle he's got his you know you're giving me one of your shuttles you know and uh and off he goes now obviously we know where scotty ends up i mean oh god I, <laughs> uh <laughs> Like, I shouldn't have to explain this because you guys have read the book. You finally know that he ends up on the Enterprise-E with Captain... No, I'm just kidding. That's not super canon. But, um, but yeah, <laughs> that would have been interesting. I mean, you know, those shuttles are great and all, but he kind of like... You know, he was James Kirk in it, second star to the right, just heading off. And we're like, where are you going, Scotty? You know? <laughs> I don't know. That's where the Romulans are now. Yeah. And back in my day, this was open space. Well, actually, we're right at the most dangerous part of the border. So, 
Yeah, don't go that way. Uh, but no, that would have been interesting to see him. I mean, obviously, having Scotty come back again would have been a little bit like, oh, look, it's Scotty again. I mean, man, they just really hated referencing T- TOS in, in TNG. I mean, they did it, but they did it kind of like super sparingly. And man, if he had found a wormhole that took him to the Delta Quadrant, I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, uh, as we talked about uh, other episodes, other characters that should have been on the voy- or could have been on the Voyager, um, yeah, Scotty, or he shows up like right in the third episode, and then Belana doesn't even have a chance. I mean, seriously, if it's Scotty or Belana, that angry woman, who <laughs> who are you gonna who are you gonna choose? I think he and Tom Parrish would have had a great romantic plotline. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> just just anyway. Um, but also. And I know this is a uh, this is kind of reaching, but I'm still uh, Tin Man and Elbron, which this is not a favorite episode of mine. But I f- I feel like this is sort of one of those like you know we have this space born alien, whatever you want to call it, and we have this super Betazoid Beta Zed, and like they're just gonna float through space. It's cool, guys. Don't worry about it. It'd been cool if they could have, you know, helped us fight the Dominion or any of our enemies. You know, this super powerful bio ship, Species Eight Four Seven Two. You know, anything really. Like, well, you know, if, pull if, pull your weight a little bit, guys. If only there was an all powerful being in the universe that owed a lot to Captain Picard, then there would really be Kevin. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, not Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin could have killed all the Dominion everywhere. (laughs) Not just one Dominion, all Dominion. Or the Borg. I didn't just kill one Borg. I killed them all. Instead of some species we've never even heard of and don't even care about. Oh, speaking of which, speaking of another... uh, Speaking of which, Darren rationalizing mass genocide. But yeah. (laughs) Uh, another character that has technically a uh, kind of a conclusion, but still an unsatisfactory one is Hugh. Who? Right, like Hugh. <laughs> Hugh. No, 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 not you, not you, Darren. Hugh. <laughs> no, no, I'm Philip. <laughs> He's Darren, and you. Uh, I well, I mean, I mean, more. we do see him in two episodes. I mean, that's more of a well, resolution. Three, if you want to be technical. Uh, blanking on the third. What's the third one he shows? The second part, part of one and two. Descent. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, yes. I mean, I keep glossing over the fact that it's a two-parter. It's like, come on, let's let's, let's wrap the story up. They're in the command center. <laughs> come on now. Oh yeah, no, that's totally awesome. Although the inside looks a little different than I've remembered, but well, I'm just saying all it's of the smaller on the inside. Lawyers inside the, like, viewing globe. (laughs) Borg! View through the viewing globe as the the Enterprise (laughs) approaches! What if, like, Alpha 5 just walked out in the middle of all this? (laughs) He's all assimilated up. Ay, ay, ay! (laughs) Ay, 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 and and they're they're trying to assimilate him, and they don't know how to put the one eye on him, because (laughs) he doesn't have an eye, and it just does not compute. Uh, Quick, Starfleet! Separate your saucers. <laughs> Form wait, so feet what? and legs. Oh wait, no, sorry, that's another. That's another. Uh... So Worf would be like, wait, my watch saucer is... section. <laughs> wait, I think my watch is going off. Do 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 do. I'm getting a call. 
and then they mm-hmm. beam away. I mean, hey, let's just say <laughs> Power Rangers is basically Star Trek. I okay, mean. why is the, why is there no such thing as a Power Rangers Star Trek crossover? Just I mean, needs to and, exist. And, 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 in their civilian clothes, Picard wears like short red satin pajamas, and like Data's always in yellow. It's, it's yeah. Troy Troy is still it doesn't have any blue on because it's just the most revealing <laughs> costume ever to know to man. Oh my goodness, this is amazing. We but no, I th- but I think but I like what you say, Daniel. Though yeah, I mean Hugh was a unique Borg before you know we had like Seven of Nine and 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 but they didn't really do a lot with it. And you know they they could have they could have done more, um, but but they didn't. Now I'm, I mean we can still talk guest stars, but I'm going to jump to actual plot lines, plot lines, because there was one that I didn't think of until the last minute. I'm like this top of the list. How could I not think of this? And Darren, I'm going to give it to you if you can see in my all capital letters. <laughs> With an exclamation point. And I know this is one of your episodes, so go ahead and talk about it. Yes. You mean the first episode of Nixon I ever watched and scarred me a little bit when the head exploded? Well, now, I think I thought we had already talked about this one before, though, just how uh, the seeds it was sowing were technically for what became the Borg, but they changed a lot in in writing by the time they actually showed up on the screen. Uh, you know, they weren't little parasites inside you they were you know nanites inside you but uh but yeah but i mean you know talk about a setup you have you know this whole they are coming you know uh uh riddles in the dark message coming don't do masks don't do masks (laughs) Uh, but uh you know masaka is coming (laughs) maybe that's who it was Maybe they were transmitting. No, I'm just, no, man, no. that's I, man. Ow, <laughs> no. I felt that eye roll over here, Daniel. <laughs> no, but uh, no, I think uh, that would have been interesting to even if they didn't use them for the Borg plotline to weave them in to some other overarching villain. Uh, and again, you know, in a similar vein, you have like the Romulans. You know, they tried in season one to set them up as we're back. You know, a dinosaur story. Dun, dun, no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, but you know, yeah. And, and add this intrigue and then they bring them in, but the Romulans just never had that mystery that they had in TOS, you know, where like, we don't know what they look like. We don't know, you know, they don't know what we look like, you know, all of that. So, but yeah, so conspiracy, um, maybe, I mean, really, if we look super macro, uh, Conspiracy is basically every bad rule we ever see because uh, that's where it starts. And, you know, I mean, I'm picturing bad rules that throw, you know, Geordi through doors. You know, I'm seeing, you know, bad rules that Are you age saying we should have checked, checked the back of Necheyev's neck? I, you know, I w- wouldn't have put it. Uh, I, I think it should have been uh, something that Crusher should have done. Well, what's what's cool about conspiracy is. You could do you could do a, a a show right now, set you know fifty years after the twenty fourth century as we know it, and totally follow up with that plot line, and then it would totally make sense. Like that that the signal's already out there. There's or you could have another prequel up. that predates somehow that same signal that totally messes up your timeline. But hey, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Enterprise. Sorry. Uh, 
But the conspiracy to me, and you guys correct me, has I'm not saying the best, but it has one of the most unique endings of an episode. You know, there's no like laugh, or there's no like laugh. It's just like there's no jump just, in the air memory. freeze frame. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no warp effect, right? It's just the camera I mean, if I'm remembering it correctly, yeah. the camera pans away from the Enterprise and just goes to the signal in space. Yeah, and you hear the signal like, you know, some strange alien signal, you know, heading towards LV-427, you know, and uh uh who knows where it'll go. It's creepy. It's a creepy episode. Like it's, I think it's a often forgot episode, but really like you watch that episode and there are a lot of really strong, really good elements in it. And yeah, it could, it could be the Genesis. Like you could do a a whole, listen, listen. (laughs) I think, no, I think you're right. I think it's, it's highly (laughs) underrated. If you could do an entire, I think there were, I think there were more clickings in the frequency, like oh multiple clickings goodness. all at the same time. <laughs> Faster. and uh... Don't get mad at me. But if you can do an entire series, an entire seven-run show on the Bajorans. I'm sorry. I don't like the Bajorans. You mean I the love Bajora. The Bajora, right. I love Deep Space Nine, but I'm not a big fan of the Bajoran culture. Um, then there's to- you could totally make something really cool out of it. And, and to be fair... In defense of Deep Space Nine, this is kind of what they do. They they adopt this infiltration kind of, you don't know who to trust. You don't, like, conspiracy is kind of like, mm. uh, in a lot like of ways, founders. is kind of mirrors the founders that kind of, you know, um, the, when they go back to Earth and stuff like that. So Deep Space Nine actually did pick up a lot of these threads and, and, and push them further, and it was good. It was awesome. So, But you could totally do really interesting things with this, I think. And now, I mean, we kind of... Prestige Space Nine a lot, but I mean, I don't know which quadrant this is coming from. It could have been the Delta Quadrant. We could have seen this in Voyager. Or it could have been the Beta Quadrant, because nothing ever seems to happen there. (laughs) Isn't it mostly like Klingon and Romulan space? I'm pretty sure. The the weird thing is that the Alpha Beta line is like right through Soul Sector. So it's like... It is. I mean, they always talk about, this is the protect the Alpha Quadrant. It's like, what about the other half of the Federation that just doesn't happen to line in your beloved, you know, Aryan race Alpha Quadrant, you know? The the Beta Quadrant is the flyover quadrant, you know? (laughs) Wait, you're saying that... I'm not going to get it. Nobody really lives there. (laughs) I was going to say... I was going to say, you know, it's you're, the suburbs. You're, you're kind of insinuating something about the Midwest here, but a lot of the sh- a lot <laughs> of the uh, hosts on the network, Philip, need I remind you, are from the Midwest. So, uh, hey, hey, Earl Grey's all about East Coast, West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and one last thing about conspiracy, though. I, I mean, I love the part where they basically say, "Data, analyze the last six months of of Starfleet chatter and like look for a pattern," because that's something Data could do, like. That no one else could really do. That's leveraging the people under your command. And Data's like, oh, snap. Yeah, uh, I totally noticed that when you line up the first words of every line of this book, it says, never going (laughs) to give you up. Never going to let you. You are not alone. Oh, my God. (laughs) But... So you know, yeah, I I now want to go watch uh, Conspiracy again because it's got it's got some really good stuff in it that we should have seen more of. Now, Darren, judged by the exact spelling of this name, I know this is one you listed um, from 
Two okay, episodes. I was typing it on my phone, Philip. Okay, <laughs> I, I didn't want to forget it. So yeah, it's probably the worst absolute spelling of Moriarty you probably ever I just saw. Ever but no, but but uh, but ship in the bottle. You know, I was joking again with a, with a friend and saying, yeah, I'm pretty sure when the Enterprise crashed, like that was just on a table somewhere. It's just like smashed up against a wall, like slowly losing power inside. Moriarty's just like screaming as he, yeah. as his world <laughs> collapses around him. Picard, <laughs> you trusted you. Um, you know, cause you well, know, we never, time all they needed to do was leave a sticky <laughs> note on it. Okay. That said, do not open, <laughs> you know, but Barkley's got to plug everything in, you know, uh, well, actually, no, wait, that's a backtrack a little bit. But, yeah, so I don't know uh, what would have happened. I mean, I think it would have been cool if they had brought him back. I mean, obviously, um, this would have been an interesting thing not to bring up necessarily like we're seeing Moriarty again, but to bring up in Voyager as the yeah. doctor's getting more and more sentient and not just a holodeck program. You know, I mean, there were some great... And like author, author, like they referenced a lot of great pieces with like, they, I mean, they referenced data, you know, in, in that episode. And so I think it would have been great in other episodes to also reference, you know, the Kate, because this would have been logged in some sort of master file about holograms, you know, that everyone in, in Starfleet shares, you know, in their Dropbox folder. But, uh, <laughs> Spacebox, I think is what it's called. Oh, sorry, it's Spacebox, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but but I mean now that you're, you're I'm thinking about this because this is one of those retroactive things we do. But like, is it Moriarty? Wouldn't he make the perfect TNG con in a movie? Because like, Space Seed is you know it's not, it's really an okay episode. We only make it. Oh, I thought you meant Con like Star sitting in the front of the bridge. I was like really confused for a second there. I'm like, okay, <laughs> sorry. So you you got to say like you know so like you got to yell it. That's how I know. Well, I said it with an English accent. Isn't that? Isn't that how you do con? French, French. Fr- oh no, we're done. Uh, yes. You say con, and then you look really pale and have anyway. Um, but uh, y- you know, I mean, that would have been like you know, they arrive and he's like, "This is the holodeck. <laughs> the card left me here, and he never bothered to check it." Anyway, no, you're, that's true. There is a lot of parallels uh, in the character, you know, to the to that of con. <laughs> no, no, Daniel, not. There is not no Barkley in one of those. But, uh, but yeah, but no, I, I think it would have been great to reference at least in, um, in Voyager, or, or even you know, even a slight nod in DS Nine to, uh, you know, uh, he could have been referenced by Quark, like, oh, I got a new Hollis, you know, sweet program, like something, uh, Data's adventure of Sherlock Holmes, like sounds pretty safe, you know. You know, something like wait, that. Wait, wait. Think about it. Because didn't they, and I don't, I forget, but didn't they more or less give that power to Vic on Deep Space That's now? true. He, yeah. He, they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, we're just going to toggle this little switch and you're going to be completely self-aware, you know. Except, I mean, he's not smarter ex- than Data, but basically. Except that Vic is, uh, accepts his, like, he under, he, uh, he recognizes his, status as a uh, oh oh so he's fine with slavery i'm sorry that moriarty <laughs> wants more for his people no but it's it's i'm sorry a... vix is the uncle tom of holograms <laughs> no that's actually a really interesting thing and you're you're right and especially like let's think about this uh when D- tng was over when when uh, voyager started and there's no way zimmerman didn't 
was not aware. He was the holographic expert. There's no possible way he didn't know what happened with Moriarty and how it worked. And that could have even been, you could have even like done an angle where like he had researched it and incorporated part of it into the doctor. Like there could have been something really cool there. You're absolutely right. And maybe even, I don't know, they, they copied some of his code or something. And that's well, what notice how the doctor. the doctor, you know, the doctor's obviously self-aware or at least right. aware that he's a hologram. And, and maybe that was part of the basis of his root programming is we can, we, I mean, that would have been a case of, okay, we're going to make this holographic emergency doctor, but we're definitely not going to make him think he's ever been a real person because we know how that goes. Because every other holographic character we create, the basis of their program is believe I am an actual person. Yeah. And we all see how that well that turns out as we ride on the train to New Vortiform City. <laughs> hey, do you know anything about the Orient Express? Or, well, you know, actually, uh, in this book, Ship of the Line. Uh, oh, God, here we nah, go. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But now you know um, the word "express" well, comes from the Greek. <laughs> so, well, one of the things you listed on that point, uh, Philip, which I, I definitely want to talk about, is the uh, let's not ever pay attention to it except for like half an episode later. The warp speed limit from Forces of Nature. Now, I mean, it is season seven already, so there's not even that many episodes left. Uh, and for a couple episodes later, they're like, oh, yeah, something really bad's happening. So you've been authorized to exceed the warp speed limit in this area of space. What I want to know is, why don't we just start exploring up? You know, if all of our travel is along the galaxial plane, back and forth, back and forth, like, why can't we just go explore the stars that are up? Like, you know, like the Enterprise in in uh, in All Good Things does, you know. Or, sorry, that's, uh, that's not what, All Good no, Things. No, no, no. Uh, Once you add that yeah. third nacelle, you can, oh, uh, you can go to a whole lot go. of other that's places. That's the Z nacelle. It lets yeah, you, that's what it is. <laughs> it lets you access the <laughs> Z axis. <laughs> And then That's it's really awkward line. when, like, you know, the Romulans are all flying along and talking to each other. And then all of a sudden this wacky ship shows up from beneath. You know, now we got to turn ourselves. Shoots a phaser right in the middle of it. It's like, you know, when you start shooting a video with your iPhone and then you turn it midway and you think it's actually <laughs> turned, but it's Wait, all sideways. Are you saying for the every Star Trek incarnation we've been seeing the black bars on the side that if we just turn things around, there's so much more to see? Well, I'm saying is when they're talking to, you know, Admiral Riker on the Enterprise, he's like sideways on the Romulan <laughs> ship because, you know, space is crazy. But no. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but, but they really never touch upon. I don't know how we got there out of uh, from Warp Speed Factor. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they like it's obviously they wrote themselves in a box and they're like, dang, this was stupid. Uh, you know, let's not touch upon this ever again and just brush it under the rug. You can't brush. You're you're a space warp denier, Darren. There are facts. <laughs> I will have you know. The yeah, we're gonna brush it under theorists believe that piece of overtreaded carpet. You keep analogizing this to, you know. <laughs> but uh, we keep change. We change the carpet every season, so I don't even know what you're complaining about. Um, now, my last one I want to talk about, and which, and I don't know if if. if if it counts, but still I'll talk about it. This is from All Good Things. And this is where Q makes a promise that 
to me, is never followed up in the next four movies. (laughs) And that, he tells Picard that it's going to be, his future is more than mapping stars and studying nebula, but charting the unknown possibilities of existence. You'll, you'll find out. No spoilers. I mean, I believe Picard does learn how to hold this moment in time. I mean, that's pretty powerful if you think about it. it. <laughs> and and he has this woman that he wants to spend the rest of his shore leave with that we don't hear again and doesn't get invited as his wedding date the now, next time. Now, remind me, did, did Q show up on DS9 after All Good Things or before? It was... Before, because it was in the first two seasons. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, I was going to say, because that'd be super awkward, because it's like this great finale, you know, Q's all like, the trial never ends, and then the next time he sees humanity, he's like, what's up, Cisco? Yeah, I'm just totally, I like, I want to be, I want to be your friend, Picard, I'm over Picard, he just, he didn't want to play my games, and then Cisco punches him in the face, so. I don't know, I, I, I like, I mean, I would have liked to have seen I think like most TNG fans, like if we just just erased Insurrection and made a Q movie instead, that would have been great. Incurrection? <laughs> I, I don't know what you would call it. Um, be, care- be careful there, Philip. That's uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is coming. Okay, but I'm sorry. I was reading Dan's fanfic. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, but but you know if but but that line and and his storyline i think it's just it's to me it's wrapped up perfectly in all good things and like what? that line what's that sunny <laughs> mm-hmm. i i think that 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 idea that concept that he says that you're you're going to go out there and you're uh, of existence you're going you're going to learn everything that you know like it's just the it just it's very thematic to that episode it's very specific to all good things and it and it works perfectly in that episode and i it doesn't in the same way that the ending of all good things kind of leaves you wanting more like you but you're satisfied you understand that it's it's well to to borrow a quote it's not about the destination it's it's about the journey and that's to the journey (laughs) and so i don't it's about what you leave behind it is and i mean i think like because these, these are, the are the voyages. Right, right, right. <laughs> and Q is kind of a turnabout intruder in that episode. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> well, and see, after, after Picard, you know, Q says, you know, you're going to expand and be more than this, Wesley pops up right behind him being like, already there, achievement unlocked, you know. Cause... <laughs> hey, I got invited to the wedding. Boom, deleted scene. Yeah, we're just going to ignore the whole I became a traveler. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, no, no, no. But, it, but it's been fun talking about the lost plot lines of TNG. But this is just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek.fm this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. And then next week, it's like, hey, Worf, what's going on? And he's like, oh, not much. Just, you know, yeah. walking around the bridge like like I didn't have my spine grown, you know, last week. <laughs> Earl Grey. You know, he's on the Enterprise. He doesn't have to be written in the movie because, hey, he's on the Enterprise. Everyone's on the Enterprise. He gets you know. a chair. He gets a chair. I mean, I mean, the whole beginning is all about his promotion. Yeah, exactly. It's basically a Worf-centered uh, movie now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> the Orb. 
even Odo wasn't able to keep his, you know, quote unquote, hands clean. The, the fact that he has this kind of sordid past that we didn't really know about until now is really, really interesting. To the journey! I think the audience by large, or by and large, kind of saw Data as a machine and was probably a little more on the side of Maddox, as in Data is it, not he, and that sort of a thing, without even realizing it. And then Measure of a Man took us from that point to, you know what? This guy has the right to choose. Warp 5. The TV viewer who doesn't know anything about that, they're probably more like the actual people of the Enterprise era, where the idea that we would have these starships that can take us into the depths of the galaxy at Warp 5, this is all new for them as well. The Ready Room. Deep Space Nine is closer to the original series than any other Star Trek show in terms of ideals and... Yeah, conflict. There is conflict in the original series. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. What's interesting, though, is this isn't even a threat. I mean, no, no, let no. that be your last yeah. battlefield. It was a threat that Kirk was making in, in, in this episode. Picard's just like, yeah, we don't know who's taking our ship, and nobody's allowed to have our ship, so mm-hmm. you know, let's blow it up. Commentary, Trek stars. Although there is a certain darker aspect to the story than let's say one would find in Roddenberry's version of humanity there is also room for hope literary treks I I can see that Jean-Luc might have told her you know I was reading Janeway's logs and can you believe that Q got married and has a son continuing mission you're watching the man trap and then for no reason at all, they go into the botany... Well, I want to call it the botany bay, even though I know that's not right. The botanical... <laughs> the, I think it's just botany room. The botany room. <laughs> and there's this person's hand in a pink glove as a space yep. plant. And you're just like, what? <laughs> Melodic treks. The latest Thompson Holiday Company advert in the United Kingdom features William Shatner's rendition of the Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. Axonar, the official podcast. And as soon as I got back to L.A., um, I sat down and in about three or four days wrote this demo suite of uh, four cues. You know, thankfully, it resonated with Alec and and Christian. And, you know, here here we are. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So you can check out all these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Basically, you can find them anywhere. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. And if you would like to contact us to share your thoughts on today's show, just go to trek.fm slash contact. From there, choose send to show and, of course, select Earl Grey. These messages will be emailed to the three of us personally. Finally, in social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Our new listener discussion group is called The Babel Conference, found by typing The Babel Conference, of course, in the Facebook search field, so you can find us there. Please support our sponsor, Audible.com, who helps us bring Earl Grey to you each week. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. 
As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and all of Trek FM. And lastly, there's one more way you can directly help us keep Earl Grey coming to you each week, and that is through becoming a patron of Trek FM. By visiting www.patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose among various pledge levels and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. These rewards let you inside the observation lounge of our network and make it possible for us to distribute all of our great content. So please become a Trek FM patron and visit www.patreon.com slash trekfm today. All right, guys, we've gotten some uh, some feedback. I noticed that there was uh, some buildup in our subspace com buffer, so um, just, just cleaning it out. Um, and we have a bunch. So the first one is from a name I'm probably going to mispronounce. It's actually Darren from Your Shouting Distance from Santa Monica. This is um, Nicholas Illis. I believe I'm saying that last name. But he said uh, he just was listening to our show um, and he wanted to clarify something. He said that during our insurrection review, um, that when Jordy informed Picard that Deep Space Nine and 441 um, are in the opposite directions, that Picard changed his mind about taking Worf back. And he, he was just saying that he thought that Picard tell, told Jordy that it, he didn't care if they were in the opposite direction. He still just wanted to leave with Worf. But, but yeah, we agree. It's, it's kind of those weird things we were talking about of why we took Worf with us. Because you got to have Worf in a TNG movie. It's just you just you have to. Yeah, you, know, you just have to. Because you got to follow up on Worf's story. Because yeah. whatever happened to that guy, I guess we'll never know. I mean, I want to know um, about what happened to Worf. <laughs> so uh, we we also got one from Dean W from Australia, um, and he says, "Hey guys, I'm very sad. Oh man, this is this is uh, a bad email." He says, "I've now cut up." caught up on 12 months worth of Earl Grey's and have to do the weekly thing now. So welcome to our space-time continuum, Dean. He said, congratulations on a great podcast. He says he loves he loves the way the three of us work together to create an enjoyable show and that um, he heard somewhere in the network that the first incarnation of Star Trek he watched becomes your favorite series. He spelled it with a U. And he says the feeling also applies to Trek.fm, that he discovered the network when I read about Earl Grey on Twitter. And even though I enjoy other shows, his quote, not mine, yours is by far my favorite. <laughs> so, and he says that he Aww. even joins in on our To The Journeys. Oh, good. So, That's good. <laughs> yeah. And Which he means says, we do them way too often. <laughs> he <laughs> says, <laughs> and Darren, I think this one is for you. He says, P.S., I'm totally adopting bricks of words to describe books <laughs> oh yeah i mean when i go to the uh uh the foundry aka library i think is what you guys call them you know where all the bricks that words are are, are stacked it's a, it's a lot of fun but the librarians don't really like me i got maybe it's the t-shirt i made but it's it's i think still my my favorite line from from all of our shows is bricks of words <laughs> uh, I love it. I think it's great. We should just be on. All we right. need to get on literary tricks and just just not stop calling everything bricks with words. <laughs> That's right. You build the wall over there. 
All right. And this last email I want to read is from Tracy Wachnitz. And apologize if I'm saying that last name wrong. She's also or, or also a West Coaster. Uh, Port Angeles, Washington. Hopefully I'm saying that right. And they say, hello, gents. I'm taking the time to send you this note to show my appreciation for Earl Grey. I've always enjoyed TNG, but finding your podcast has reignited my interest in the show. Um, because of you guys, I'm currently doing my rewatch, this time with my seven-year-old son, who instantly became a fan. So, Darren, see, watching with your children. I, I know you're all about that. Um, and it's like, there's so much I could talk about regarding TNG. That's what we think, and we do it every week. And they say, but what I mostly want to say is I think you're doing a fantastic job. The podcast is clever, funny, thoughtful, knowledgeable, and basically the best companion to TNG ever. Take that, Larry. Uh, thank you so much for producing it. I hope it's worth your time to keep making it so. And loyal listener. Oh, thanks for the email, Tracy. I get so many. I get so many warm feelings in my heart when we when we hear these these emails. When you prick me, do I not leap? Leap. <laughs> all right, Darren. If people want to find you on the interwebs to find out what happened to all of their favorite guest stars and whether or not you know they had any romances with our main characters in the future, like maybe left their husbands for some bizarre reason during an adulterous affair and married the chief engineer where could they find you on the internet well if you in the in the book uh no i'm just kidding <laughs> but no on the internet they can find me bestly on twitter which is under username dr sci-fi which is d-r-s-e-i-f-i and daniel if people want to find out the conclusion to Rose storyline. Where can they reach you on the internet? Oh wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. Too soon. Sorry. Well, I I have. I was going to say Ensign but she was a lieutenant at the end, so there you go. I have written a seventeen-part epic, and if people want to read that or talk about it, certainly they can contact me on Twitter as well. And I am at One Up Dan. That's the number one, not the word. All right, and if anyone wants to reach me to talk about how come we never saw another pack lid. It's because they're dumb. Um, they can find me on Twitter, and my handle is NC Public Servant. That's NC for North Carolina. All right, guys. Um, I'm gonna go find out whatever happened to Lore. Like, did we just leave him in like a closet somewhere? I don't. I don't know. Maybe Commander Maddox ended up building a whole race of Lores, and I wonder how he treated that race. Well, anyway, we'll see you guys next week. Make it so. Live long and prosper. And get fire.